You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Peter 2, 11 through, 11 through 3, 13. However, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they do not understand. And in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery that never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed, children under a curse. They've gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, son of Bozer, who loved the, wicked, who loved the wages of wickedness, but received a rebuke for his lawlessness. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water, mists driven by storm. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them. For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud." Dear friends, this is now the second letter I have written to you in both letters. I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Above all, above all be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days scoffing and following their own evil desires saying, where is this coming that he, pro- that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overtook this, overlooked this, sorry. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. <clears throat> through, these, the world of, through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded by the same word, The present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. 
On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rose. I know what you're thinking, because I would be thinking this if I were you. Jason, you spent five weeks on one chapter, and you're about to spend one Sunday on two chapters. What's up? Um, I'll explain a little bit in a minute, but let's go to the Lord now in prayer and pray about these things. Lord, this is the word of God that we heard, that we read together Help us, Lord, to avoid the temptation and the trap to run away from your word. Help us to spot and identify the seducers who try to steer us away, to try to gain understanding in other ways and other places. Instead, Lord, entrench us in the foundation that we sing about, the the things that we celebrate is based on your promises that you have given. You didn't have to give us any promises, but you chose to. Let us say one to each other and to the world, and especially to you, that your word is enough for us. Help us to trust it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been going through uh, this final letter that Peter wrote um, to the hearers, to the people that he cares about. He calls them friends. He calls them children. Um, And last week we looked at, and we began to look at the false teachers. If you've been with us for any length of time at this church Um, you know that we don't harp on these hard and difficult things all the time, but we do believe in preaching through books of the Bible. And though we're not going to really drill down and dive into the latter part of chapter two today, we did some of that last week as we looked and identified false teachers. We wanted to start with chapter two because we do want to sort of have the memory of last week kind of kindled up again, but we want to get into chapter three. And just like I said about chapter two, chapter three today, we're not doing a big deep dive in today. Lord willing, we'll do that next week. Today, we want to hear sort of the broad and bigger message that Peter is saying here in this, in this part of his letter, which is simply that we are called as God's people to avoid false teachers, to avoid false teachers and to avoid broken, dismantled, deconstructed doctrine. Um, you might, so today what we're going to look at is, is um, why are we to avoid these people and, and how we are to avoid. And we're going to just really touch on the surface of 
of this. You might be thinking, preacher, this doesn't sound very tolerant, doesn't sound very loving, doesn't sound forgiving at all, sounds kind of harsh. I hope you're basing that um, off your feelings of what was written, not just where I'm going with this, but I understand that it could sound like that. You might be here thinking, just give us what Jesus gave us. We don't need to hear these hard words from Peter. We definitely don't need to hear hard words from you. Just tell us how Jesus wants us to live and, you know, how to, how to be that loving person, how to be accepting and tolerating and just be that forgiving person that's out there. Just give us more of Jesus. Well, I believe that's exactly what we are doing here. Jesus had told us that we are to be lights in the dark places, that the world would hate us because of him. That means there will be animosity toward us because we're following a narrow way. Jesus said that he will separate the sheep from the goats, those who are thinking they're doing the right things, saying, thinking they're saying the right things, but then there are those who are truly following him. Jesus is the one who told us to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses and follow him. And that is what a worthy disciple is. Someone worthy to be his disciple, someone that denies themselves, take up their cross and follows him. And then Jesus said, go and make these kind of disciples. What kind of disciples? The kind of disciples that deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. So that is what we're aiming to do. And that is what Peter was doing when he wrote this letter. One thing is clear in Second Peter is this calling, avoid the false teachers. If it's not obvious to why, let's look at some reasons why that we see here. First of all, we looked at some of this last week, but just looking at the verses today, the first reason why we ought to avoid false teachers is false, teach, false teachers are arrogant people. They are arrogant. And look with me in verses 10 through 11. We started with 11 today, but we ended with 10 last week. It says, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. If you're someone who despises authority, don't put yourself under someone's authority. There's a lot of arrogance in you. Goes on to say, bold, arrogant people. They are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. Then our text today, verse 11. However, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. These people who are false teachers are so arrogant, they're, they're taking on this authority and this presumption upon themselves that they're smarter, more arrived than even angels are. We are to avoid these people because they are arrogant in their ways and who they are. They are also irrational and they are ignorant. Look with me in verse 12. But these people like irrational animals. Peter, how do you feel really? He uses animals a lot here. The end of the text, he refers to them as dogs, as sows, dogs that go back to their vomit, sows that stay in the mud. 
These people, these false teachers are like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They slander what they do not understand. And in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. In their arrogance, they are irrational and ignorant. They're fighting against slandering what they don't even know. Arrogant, they're irrational, they're ignorant, they are also selfish. We see that in this passage. Leaders and teachers who are so full of themselves, those are the type of leaders and teachers who are so full of themselves, they lead you to be full of yourself. They're going to approach your needs in a way that makes you think so much of yourself because that's how they live their life. They think so much of themselves. So to get the following, they're gonna charm you into considering how good they are and here's how I've done it, here's how good I am. You too can be this good person like this. They don't lead us to God and his glory They lead us to more deeper felt needs and our feelings. Everything's driven by this selfish need to get everything sort of fixed and perfected in our life before we can ever have joy. He gives us some examples here, verses 13 through 16. In a way, these are false teachers who are chasers of sensuality. You see that here? Um, Verse 13 They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. There are spots and blemishes, but delighting in their deception while they feast on you. We see it here in their greed. Verse 14, they have eyes full of adultery. They never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people. We'll get to that in a little bit. And they have hearts trained in greed. These chasers of sensuality, these greedy people are so full of themselves that they please themselves and the way they teach, the way they want to talk. Trust me, a false teacher is also shallow. If they're ignorant, but yet arrogant, they're not diving deeper into God's word. Look with me in verse 17 and 18. These people are springs without water, mist driven by a storm. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them. For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce. It makes sense, right? If their focus is on themselves, if their focus is on just what our current needs are and how we feel in the moment, and that becomes primary in everything that they do, then wouldn't it make sense that their insight, that their knowledge, that their depth of wisdom sort of only goes as deep as what they know? And we've already looked at that they're ignorant, right? Therefore, they live foolishly. Now, they will lead loudly, but they live foolishly. Arrogant, irrational, ignorant, selfish, shallow, shepherds, Ultimately, what we see here, especially as he kind of sums up in verses 19 through 22, they are lost guides. 
lost guides. Promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if having escaped the world, world's impurities through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated. And this is when we see in verse 22, it has happened to them according to the true proverb, as a dog returns to its own vomit. Think about that. Now, dogs back then are not like we revere dogs today. My dog's haircut costs more than my haircut. And you probably can tell, right? Like the dogs then were, were scavengers. They, they weren't house pets. They weren't treasured. And they definitely didn't sleep in the bed and get your bed all grassy and messy. Dogs do what dogs do. They return back to the very thing that they threw up. Why? Because that's what they know. They don't know anything deeper than that. They don't know anything more than that. In fact, I think, reading into the illustration even more, they think what they threw up actually is good. Let's go back and drink this up. This is better than this. A dog returns to his own vomit and a washed shower returns to wallowing in the mud. Why? Because that's what they know. Shallow. They're lost, guys. So for our long-term joy and fulfillment, we must avoid these kind of teachers. This is the why we must do this. You might be thinking, well, how are we to do this? They're charming. They're good. They talk about me. They try to make me feel this way or this way. And their words and their books and their novels and their, their writings they're good at doing that. Like, like they, I, they scratch me where I itch and I, they tickle my ears and, and I can say on every time I read one of their pages or blogs, yeah, I do feel that way. How do we avoid it? It's so easy to do, to follow them. How can we avoid them? Well, that's what I'm gonna spend the remainder of our time on looking at. We were going to look in Ephesians. There's a couple places in Ephesians where Paul tells us how. There's places in Romans. There's, of course, Jesus talked about this. But let's just stay with what Peter is doing here in his letter. And this might discourage you. You might be thinking, Jason, you're going over chapter 3 way too broadly. We're going to get into that again more next week. But in chapter 3, he gives us an understanding of how to avoid such false teachers. In chapter two, these are the false teachers. Chapter one, sort of a, a front end of the bookend, like here's how you do it. Chapter two is here's who you should avoid and why. And chapter three is another bookend. Here again is how you do it. Here are the three points to how to avoid these teachers. First, we grow in sincere understanding. Two, we be aware of who they really are. We be aware of them and we beware of them. And three, we anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. Let's look at these one at a time. First of all, again, we're gonna look at chapter three in this. But before we do that, look with me in verse 14 of chapter two. We just said it, and this is key for us. Here are the people they entice. 
Their eyes are full of adultery. They never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people. They will draw in people who look a little like they're rocking in their faith. Not rocking in their faith, but like tipsy in their faith. They pull in the people who have been wounded in such a way that they just want to, let me just come over here and, and just feel a little heat. Let me feel a little better about how I am. Let me have somebody tell me how good I am because everybody over here, maybe even inside the church, has only just poured bad things onto me. So let me run over here. Unstable people are seduced by these people. Verse 15 follows and reads, they have gone astray by abandoning the straight paths. That sets up the first thing that I want us to look at how we avoid them. We grow to sincere understanding. We grow in our understanding. Look with me in verse one, chapter three. Dear friends, this is now the second letter I've written to you in both letters. So get that. Peter's emphasizing here. I've got something I really, really want you to get. I really want you to know. What is that? In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder. Reminder of what? So that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior. We looked at this several weeks ago in chapter one. We are to be stirred up by coming back to the word of God, sincere understanding. We are likely to drink up what cultural false teachers give us to drink. When we lack fulfillment, when we're teetering in our faith, when we're, we're sort of unstable, we're gonna drink up what is given to us. When we're not full of God's word, when we're not solidly on the foundation of God's word, then we feel empty. And we're gonna drink in what they offer us to drink. How do we grow to sincere understanding? How do we do this? Well, still point number one, but under point number one, because I'm a preacher, there are three ways we can do this. We see it here. First of all, I would encourage you you want to grow to sincere understanding and avoid false teachers, submit to faithful shepherds. You can emphasize which part of that you want to emphasize, wherever you are. Four words to that. Submit to faithful shepherds. What I want you to notice, first of all, is what that looks like. We see, we see it in verse one. We see it all throughout when Peter said this. He begins with, the words, dear friends. It is important to see and to notice sincerity and kindness in your shepherd, elder, teacher. Do you see that? I wasn't pausing for an amen here, but I mean, do you, do you when, when you're reading something or listening to somebody, do you, do you see and hear an understanding of patience and kindness? Dear friends, now we don't want to expect the preacher or the leader or the teacher to be perfect. 
They may not hit home runs every time they talk with you. They may forget certain things. They may have to be reminded. They may have not been perfect in their behavior. They may not even have been perfect in their care for you. But Peter, as an example here, is writing to them, and you see, before I give you these hard things, before I want you to grow in these, I call you my friends. There's a love there. There's a a compassion there. Remember who's writing this. Peter. Peter doesn't have a history of being compassionate and gentle with people, does he? Peter was the guy or one of the guys that was trying to position himself to be closer and closer to Jesus while also being the same guy who yelled at a little girl just because she said, hey, you're one of them. That didn't sound like a kind man yelling at a, snapping at a little girl. Peter was the one that drew his sword, not to try to cut off a soldier's ear, but to cut off more at the soldier. Just happened to get his ear. Jesus rebuked him. This is Peter. This is the guy who you would not think would lovingly, kindly, patiently write to a people and say, dear friends, come, come here. I, 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 my heart is for you. He was not always perfect, but we see this not only in this verse, but we see it again in verse eight, this warmness about him. Even if the doctrine is sound, if the heart is selfish and cruel and vindictive and spiteful and arrogant, even if the doctrine is sound, we should avoid those people. Back in the 80s and 90s, youth camps and Disciple Now, big Disciple Now, big, big things were sort of the, the youth rallies were, were really way bigger then than they are even now. And so there was a certain thing called the circuit that speakers would go to. And I was a youth growing up into that. And so as a youth, as a student, l- learning who these new speakers are, it, it was easy for a young teenage guy to be in awe of the tricks and the machismo and the, the, the confidence of the speaker. Oh, man, he's that in Christ. I want to be like that. And it was very easy for my female peers to be like, oh, he's dreamy. I like who that is. And there was just something about that. And then when I got to college, I began to go and work at these camps and work at these places and sort of come behind the scenes at these traveling speakers. It was alarming Such little compassion. One, probably the most famous at the time, almost in more than one occasion at a camp, would ask somebody to bring him water. I learned it was part of his gig. He could always just walk up there with water, but somebody would go get him water, come back, he'd take a sip of water, and then as the young lady or young boy's walking off, he'd spit the water on him. Hugely popular. If you could get this guy at your camp, you were winning. Arrogance, lack of love. They're not true shepherds, deeply caring for souls. They're recycling a message to charm people in. Peter here is an example of who's, somebody's not perfect, but somebody who's faithful. Dear 
friends. I associate with you. I'm with you in this. Peter's faithful to his people, but also notice the faithfulness of the shepherd to Scripture. I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder, verse 2, so that you recall the words previously spoken. There's a dependability that Peter's saying, hey, dear friends, come listen to me. I got a new idea. I got a new solution to your problem. No, dear friends, come. I just want to take you back to the word. The aim of a good and faithful shepherd is somebody who's going to love you, though they're imperfect, and they're going to love you and bring you to the word of God. Which leads to a second way we stir up sincere understanding. Not only do we submit to faithful shepherds, we personally hold to God's word. Personally. Did you catch that in verse 2? Dear friends, shepherd wants to faithfully lead you to recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets of all. And then he gets into what to beware of. We see it in verse five and six. It says that they deliberately overlooked this. What are they overlooking? They were overlooking by the word of God. And he talks about what the word of God has accomplished in verses six and we see it in, again in verse 7. Peter is reminding them that God's word, hold to God's word, hold to God's word. Don't rely on me because I'm an imperfect shepherd. I want to be a good, faithful shepherd. No, I want to stir you, not to my words, but God's word. How do we avoid, how do we stir up sound? How are we not unstable? Let me ask you this morning, Do you hold to God's word? Not do you sit under somebody that holds to God's word. Not do you listen to podcasts and read the right kind of stuff, which is good. Don't get me wrong. That's good. It's being part of faith under faithful shepherding. But do you hold to it? Or do you live like you want to live and just say, well, you know what? I go to this church, so I'm okay. I read these people. I'm okay. I'm going to treat people this way because I'm reading these people. No, that leads to a life of instability. Do do you hold to God's word? We see another example of this is when he refers to them as lost guides, irrational, arrogant people. He says almost it's so important for you to come in and not be going back to their vomit, going back to their mud. You come back to the word that was spoken. A third way we stir up our sincere emotion, our sincere understanding of God's word is we must not overvalue man's ability while at the same, same time undervaluing God's ability. Don't overvalue man's ability and undervalue God's ability. We must hope in God's ability, not in man's ideas. Where do I get that? Well, look with me. Look what he's doing here in this text. The 
the doctrine that was being refuted and, and being talked against was the promises of the return of Christ. They're like, he hadn't come yet. Where is he? Okay, since he's not coming, let me talk to you about a new way. What were they doing? They were undervaluing the authority and the power and the timing of God and they were promoting their own ideas. Verse eight, dear friends, don't overlook this fact with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promises. Some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. It will come like a thief. And all that day the heavens will pass away. How? Sweetly, kindly? No, with a loud noise. You're gonna know it. With a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. We tend to get frustrated with God's timing. Anybody? Okay, anybody like, oh Lord, this was not the way I would do it. Oh God, this is, you should do it differently. And there are prophets and false prophets, I should say, and teachers, false teachers trying to get you to listen to their new word because they know you and I are impatient with God. So listen to me. Here's how I help you understand it and be okay with it. Oh, don't overvalue man's opinion and wisdom and undervalue God's ability. Are you habitually and routinely being stirred to understand all that the word of God brings? Peter's bringing them back to the word of God. Do you sit to sit and listen to and read from faithful shepherds? Do you yourself hold to God's word? And do you respect the supremacy and the sovereignty of God, even though you don't understand it? Another way to vo- avoid false teaching and false teachers is to at least be aware of these false teachers. That's what we've been seeing. You're like, okay, Jason, don't need to talk much about this. But Peter here in verse three calls them scoffers. Above all, so that sounds important, right? Above all, be aware of this, scoffers will come. They'll come in the last days, they'll be scoffing because that's what scoffers do, they scoff. Jason, what does scoffing mean? When's the last time you used the word scoffing? Go to Twitter today and say, hey, I got a message for scoffers. I'm gonna scoff at you. We don't use that word, right? Scoffers is usually, it literally means one who makes fun of by mocking. Mocking and making fun of someone for trusting and hoping and relying in the promises of God. That doesn't happen today, does it? There's a disdain and arrogance for the people who say, you know what, I'm gonna rely on scripture to guide me through this and this and this. Oh, you need more than scripture. That was written way back then. There's there's a mocking in that tone. We see this in our day all the time. Don't trust in God's word only. Don't just strive to live by it. It's outdated. Can you actually really hope in the promises of God today? 
Instead of us running to those who hold to the word of God, it's so easy to run to those who are scoffers because we overvalue their opinion more than God's. One quick example of this, and I'm, I've been a part of this in my life where I've run to scoffers because it sounded good. They have a new way of doing this. And so my family, my wife at the time, we, we moved, we went to this church and and anytime I would sort of have a problem with what I was seeing or was uncomfortable with this new idea of doing ministry, instead of walking me through it and helping me, I was made fun of. Ah, Goings, you're just not free yet. One day, Goings, you're going to let go of all of that religiosity and let go of all that, they called it legalism, which it wasn't, but all that legalistic stuff. And just be free. They would live poorly, lead loudly, and make fun of anyone who would just have a hard time with it. Avoiding false teachers involves us being aware. Oh, they're making fun. I probably shouldn't listen to this. Are you aware of the false teachers of today? Maybe that's what you've been kind of hoping for is that you would come, you heard last week's and you're coming this week and like, okay, maybe today he'll give me a list of those false teachers. Okay, so here we go. Number one, no, (laughs) won't do that. I won't do that here. But there are many who have come to me and say, hey, I've been listening to this person. I've read from this. What do you think? Listen, with joy, my friends, I would love to sit down and just talk and say, here's what I think. It will usually begin with, I don't know them, I've never spoken with them, but here's what I see. It's, remember last week we talked about this, not my place. God will judge the false teachers and the preachers. We are to be aware of them. So if you need help, We have elders, we have people in small groups who talk this out in love and kindness, work it out. And the third way we want to grow into sincere understanding and to avoid false teachers, and that's what most of chapter three is about, is this, that we anticipate the return of Christ. Won't spend a long time here, but this is what Daniel closed out our reading with in verses 10 through 13. I read from it a while ago. Peter talks about how the Lord is more patient than you. There is coming a day. Next week, we're going to spend time unpacking what that means. But for today, what I want us to look at is this. There is a promise that Jesus is coming back. We spend so much time drinking the Kool-Aid of what's being poured into our empty cups because we're unstable, because we're not spending time being ready for the return of Christ. No, I got to get my feelings here and feelings here and this worked out. Instead, Peter doesn't even address that. He's like, lift up your head. Look, he's coming. He's going to come. Don't forsake that. He's coming back. We are told to be ready by Jesus, by Paul, Peter. It's the consistent message. 
We're told to anticipate it, to watch for it, to live our lives for that. Many false teachers want to just steer us away from focusing on the future. Several ways they do this. Sort of indirectly, they try to turn our attention away from eternity so that we can claim our health, our wealth, our rewards, prosperity here and now, saying if we are with Jesus, then we should be getting that right now. The kingdom is now. Well, I don't see anywhere in Scripture that the rewards are going to come now. Now, we have joy. We have all these fruits that come by following Christ that the Spirit gives us, that helps us. But if you think that this is the best, you're not looking forward to heaven. And all through scripture, we are told to look for the coming of Christ. So today, the reminder is this. Avoid false teachers. Avoid the broken doctrine. Do it by sincerely seeking biblical understanding. Do it by being aware of what is false out there, not being, not teeter-tottering. And do it by anticipating the coming of Christ. Friends, the road that we're on is not easy. The journey is filled with temptations to drop our crosses, to stop denying ourselves and instead follow the false teachers. Trust me, I've been there. And it just leaves us empty, thirsty for something. We're we're, we're needing somebody quit. It leaves me sadder. It thrills in the moment, but it robs us of true, unexplainable peace and joy. Scoffers will mock you, but we, but you are not alone. My prayer for us is that our souls rejoice in the journey we're on. That man's opinions will be lessened and God's word will be emboldened and lifted up and be appropriately applied. That we would say with every song, even if it's not in the song, but we would look at each other and say, he's coming. Tuesday was bad. Wednesday was worse. This was a horrible week. But you know what? Jesus is coming. Lift up your head, and until he does come, he has given us everything we need for sincere understanding that grows faith, that grows hope, and grows a sincere love. This is what we rejoice in together. Come back next week, and we're going to look more at what Peter is saying about the return of Christ. Let's pray. A gracious Gracious Lord, in this room, I just know, because I'm in this room, that we get sidetracked. We, we get caught up in listening to what is popular. To, to, we, we don't want to be in the minority, Lord. We do really want to be in the majority. We, God, I know I even try to celebrate what is the majority but God, Heavenly Father, you sent your son who gave up everything, did not even consider the heavenlies as something to hold on to. He came 
and he died for us. And he made a way for us. And he promised us a bunch of hardships here, but he also promised us even more. A future with you. Oh God, if there's anyone here that's unstable today in their understanding, please stabilize them. Anchor them to the word of God. If there's anyone here that has been under or with unkind, unloving shepherds, Lord, please heal their wounds. I beg you, Lord. I cannot do it. We cannot do it. You can. Please heal the brokenhearted and the wounded. This week, Lord, beginning even now with the song, lift up our drooping heads that we cling to the promise that is awaiting for us that Christ, you will come again and you are better than anything and everything. In Christ alone we pray. 